Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Good morning, Colonial Woods. Great to see you this morning. If you're joining at home, I want to say welcome to you as well. And I am so excited to be able to take us on a journey this week of unexpected. Turn to someone near you and say, get ready, we're about to go. Ready? Do that. Turn to your neighbor, say, let's get ready, let's go. Oh man, you got me all going today. If you have your Bibles with you, would you do me a favor? Turn to two passages of Scripture, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. You can do it on your phone. You can get the, uh, uh, the message notes. You can get the app with your phone, however you want to do that. And follow along today. I think everything you need is there. And we've been on a journey over this last week or so, just simply unexpected, taking a look at the different aspects of Jesus' life that were so unexpected. Last week we talked about the fact that came in an unexpected manner, an unexpected message, unexpected purpose, and he has an unexpected coming again. And, and so much of his life is unexpected, but the idea behind it was that if you allow the Lord to show up in an unexpected way, give him a chance. It's amazing how he will show up how you least maybe expected he would do so. This week I want to take you on a little different journey as we talk about listening to the Lord and how sometimes he unexpectedly speaks to us. Now, I don't know everybody's experience here. I would dare say anytime the Lord speaks, in fact in Scripture, anytime the Heavenly Father speaks to someone, it's kind of unexpected, right? Takes them a little bit by surprise. If you've ever had the Lord speak to your heart or speak audibly to you, you know it's kind of unexpected. And Jesus had a couple of moments in, in his life where the Lord spoke out loud and it, and it took it was kind of unexpected. It just kind of was out of nowhere as people uh, followed him in his ministry. Now, the first one is found in Matthew chapter 3 at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He hasn't yet called his disciples. He hasn't yet done a miracle that we know about anyway. He hasn't yet uh, done any uh, miraculous intervention or taught any messages that we're aware of. But it is at the baptism of Jesus, and it's found in Matthew chapter 3. Now, it's interesting. We had a baptism service here a few weeks ago. I don't remember anything quite like it. was an incredible time. It was a wonderful service, but I don't remember anything quite like this taking place. Here's what it says. Then Jesus came from Galilee. This is verse 13, Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it now be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him or landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, 
This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now the Lord speaks out loud. It's kind of unexpected, right? And what you see happening as the Lord speaks about his son Jesus Christ is he gives him an identification, says, hey, this is my son. By the way, I want to confirm it to you. I love him. And then he gives that third word of affirmation, in him I am well pleased. Now, any kid wants to hear that from their their parent, right? This is my child. I love them dearly, and I'm really pleased with them. But what's, what's powerful about this is Jesus hadn't yet really kicked off his public ministry. I mean, he's 30 years of age, and so it's kind of an identification of who he is. It's an affirmation. What it really is, it's a letter of reference. I don't know if any of you have ever had to apply for a new job or anything like this, and you get kind of a a letter of reference. You take it to the employer that you hope to go to work for, and the fact is, is they don't really know you from anyone else, and so when somebody else gives a positive word, it kind of goes a long way to helping you toward your goal. That really is what is happening. The Lord has written a verbal uh, letter of recommendation for Jesus Christ and basically says, over the next three years, you're going to be glad that you followed this guy. Now, fast forward three and a half years, because over the next three and a half years, the Gospels indicate at least 30 miracles that are recorded, maybe a few more. John says in John chapter 21 that Jesus did so many miraculous things that all, I mean, you could write volumes and volumes and all the volumes of the world wouldn't hold all the miraculous things that Jesus did, John chapter 21. He teaches with authority. He casts out demons. Uh, He has tremendous credibility because of his own righteousness and character. He has lived, for the most part, 24-7 with the disciples. And I don't know about you, but when you spend 24-7 with someone, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then the very ugly, right? And in three and a half years, you're going to see a lot of ugly, It's one thing when you go home and you can only be with them maybe seven hours a day, eight hours a day. They pretty much spend all of their time with Jesus, which means what? Jesus had been consistent 24-7. Other than the times where he might have gotten off by himself, uh, decided to go up, spend some time with the Lord, or the disciples weren't exactly with him. They had been with him 24-7. He's kind of proven himself. And he comes to this final aspect of his life called the Mount of Transfiguration found in chapter 17 of Matthew and here's what it says after six days Jesus took with Peter took with him Peter James and John the brother of James and led them up a high mountain by themselves there he was transfigured before them he describes that his face shone like the sun His clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, here it is, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. 
Same thing. We see the baptism of Jesus. That's what, the, that's what the Heavenly Father says about him at his baptism. Three and a half years later, says the same thing. He's my son. This is identity. I confirm that I love him. I'm affirming that I'm well pleased with him. And then he adds one more phrase. It's the unexpected. Some of you were thinking, think he has a different version than I do. Every version, every gospel, they all have the same thing. What does it say? Listen to him. Now, why in the world would they say that? Why would God say that at the three-and-a-half-year mark of Jesus' ministry? Why didn't, they say, why didn't he say that at the beginning of his ministry? Right? I mean, if any time he hadn't been proving himself, he should have said then, hey, listen to him. You're going to want to listen to this guy. He didn't say it as baptism. He said it after he has already lived three-and-a-half years of ministry and proven himself and been righteous and holy and taught. Why in the world... Would the Heavenly Father add on to this incredible event? Listen to him. And I got an idea. Maybe it's because they weren't listening to him. I mean, there's only three guys that are here other than Elijah and Moses. It's Peter, James, John. They represent the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. I have a feeling that Jesus, that basically they weren't really listening and neither were the rest of the disciples. Yeah, they believed him. Yeah, they followed him. Yes, they were learning from him. But had they really listened to him? And sometimes we we just aren't listening. My son Calvin uh, is our second child. He's our first son. He is our child who is the most like me. Uh, He has a personality like mine. He probably has kind of a, uh, a leadership tendency like mine. He's much different as a man, as a husband and such, but, but I mean, he's, he's got a personality that's very similar to mine. And so I say this very lovingly, he was a very stubborn child. Self-identifying, I was the same way, okay? And uh, he, a few years ago, he uh, asked me, he might have asked me and Tammy together, he said, why is it that when we were little, that I was the only one who would ever get in trouble and I'm the only one who would get disciplined and the other kids didn't have it happen. Which, by the way, that's revisionist history. That's not true. The other kids got disciplined, the other kids. But, but here's essentially, and I see Wes there sitting here this weekend. Wesley, if I would just basically look cross-eyed at him, pretty much he would get back in the line. And Brittany, if I just said something sternly, she'd get back in the line. I looked at Calvin when he asked me that question and I meant it with all my heart. Because they listened. Calvin, you never listened. I mean, once, twice, eight times we would tell you not to do something, and you just kept on doing it. And after a while, that's the only way we could get your attention. And I think sometimes that's how it is with God, is that God is trying to get our attention. I, I, I imagine at the transfiguration, we could talk about how it, it really identified Jesus as the Son of God and how it was such a transformational moment. But I wonder if, if God wasn't simply saying, this is my Son, I love Him, I'm really pleased with Him, listen to Him. Why don't we listen to Him? Why don't we listen to God? And there's lots of reasons we probably could come up with, but there were five that just jumped out at me real quickly. I just want to hit them real quick. Sometimes we don't listen to God 
because we have our own agendas. And it's the same reason we don't listen to people, right? We listen with our answer running. Some people are saying something and we're sitting here trying to formulate how are we going to come back against this person? How are we going to argue against this person? And so we kind of have our own agendas. It, it lines up with what it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12. It says, he who, listens before, or who, he who answers before listening, it is to his folly, it is to his shame. And frankly, we have an agenda and we ask God, but we have an agenda and we like our agenda and we know the direction we really want it to go. So I really don't want God to really say too much as long as he, unless he's going to come alongside with what I want him to do. And we just have our own agendas. Number two, sometimes we have a hard time listening to God because we have a really hard time slowing down long enough to listen. It's this idea that we're thrashing, right? It's really hard to hear what is going on around us if we're thrashing. If you're out in an ocean, you're out in a lake, you're out in a pool, and you're thrashing in the pool, it is really hard to hear the people that are calling for you to come to safety. In fact, it's interesting, we're distracted a lot of times, and the passage of Scripture that I thought of is that it's no coincidence that in Psalm chapter 46, 10, the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Paraphrase, quit thrashing and rest and know that I am God. And sometimes we are so distracted and so distressed, we don't listen to God. Number three, sometimes we have a hard time listening to God because it's really hard to hear the voice of the Lord above worry, stress, and anxiety. You're in a crisis at the hospital. You're in a crisis in your family. You're in a crisis in your workplace. And all of a sudden, it's hard to hear anyone else. The passage of Scripture that I thought about when I thought of this was in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 where Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha is trying to get the kitchen together and get the food together, and Mary is just kind of sitting there at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching, and she gets so upset, and she comes to Jesus and says, don't you even care that no one is helping me? And I, you probably have heard these so many times. Jesus looks at Martha, and he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things. And you are worried and you are upset. Phil, you are worried and upset about so many things and you have so much anxiety that you've internalized and your mind is racing on how you can control everything. You're not even hearing what I'm trying to say to you. Number four. Sometimes we don't hear the Lord because we don't really want to hear Him. And I realize nobody sitting in a church on a Sunday morning or watching at home would ever think that. Certainly wouldn't say it out loud. But the fact is, is that we kind of know what the Lord's going to say and we really don't want to hear Him anyway. 
It's the Jonah syndrome. If you go to the Old Testament prophet Jonah chapter 1, the Lord told Jonah that he wanted him to go and preach to a group of people that Jonah didn't like so that they could possibly repent, which Jonah didn't want, so that God could show them mercy, which Jonah didn't care for. And so Jonah took off and refused to go to Nineveh. And sometimes we just don't want to hear what God has to say. Lord, I don't want to hear what you have to say about my marriage. It's done. I don't want to forgive this person in my life. Don't say anything. Lord, I don't want to ever talk to my parents again. Lord, I don't ever want to talk to my kids again. Lord, I don't ever want to talk to my brother or my sister again. Lord, I don't want what you want for me. Lord, I already know the path for my life. I already know the career that I'm choosing. I already know who I want to spend the rest of my life with. I really don't want to hear anything different. It's a little different than having your own agenda. It is simply where God calls us to do something in our life, and we probably even know what it is, but we really don't want to hear it. And the number five, and there could be so many more, but the fifth one I thought of is that we don't hear the voice of the Lord because we don't believe it when he does speak to us. If you were to go to Judges chapter 6, and you don't have to go there today, we're just kind of referring to it, but I would encourage you, if you want a kind of a good morning devotional time, take you about 20 minutes or so, maybe 25 minutes, read Judges 6 through 8. It's an incredible story about a guy by the name of Gideon. And the Israelites were under the oppression of the enemy, the Midianites. By the way, that whole thing, it's really fascinating. They were under the oppression of the enemy because they wouldn't listen to God. I didn't see that until this morning. I'll probably come back and preach that a little bit later. But, but it's interesting. They're asking God to deliver them. And so the Lord shows up in a guy by the name of Gideon, his life. And he, and he shows up. And the first thing the angel says to Gideon is, uh, uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And immediately, he starts pushing back. God's calling him to lead his people. He starts pushing back. And it's one of the most fascinating back and forths of someone who is basically arguing with God as to what God really wants to do through this guy's life. And the Lord shows him tremendous patience. And he looks at him and he says, I want you to deliver your people. And, and Gideon keeps asking God to give him a sign, a symbol for what he already asked him to do. It's where we get the whole thing about putting a fleece before the Lord. Well, the fleece in Gideon's life is he just wanted God to prove what God had already said he wanted to do. He just wanted proof over and over again. And it's a fascinating thing where God actually speaks to us. God actually leads us. God actually is speaking into our life, but we just don't really believe it. And it's fascinating to me how many times we are kind of like the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Lord just says, hey, did you forget this is my son? And by the way, I really love him and I'm really pleased with him. Listen to him. A few years ago, I introduced you to a little guy. Thought I'd bring him back this morning because he illustrates it so well.
Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything that you were at this house, you can trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, no, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're going to break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot, no, no I'm, li lick it, lick it. you're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. Right now, we can't do anything if we can't get everything out of the wall. If we're going to break everything down. Jesus, listen to me. Listen to me. No, no, no. Listen to me. No, no. I'm not going to listen. No, you listen to me. And it's in that. By the way, he was three years old, a little bit over three years old when he did this. Today, he's 11 years old. That was cute when he was three. I bet it's not cute at 11. And so many times we get into this thing where I wonder if we don't look like that to the Lord, where it's just like you're sitting here and you're arguing with me and you're telling me to listen to you. And you know what? Maybe we made a mistake. Because at the beginning of the year, we talked about a God-given dream and a God-birthed dream and, and we talked about beginning again and then I, I taught you for four weeks on having being stubborn in prayer. And maybe at the very beginning we should have said, but make sure you listen first. Today's not about not listening, today's about listening. So how do we hear the voice of God? How do we listen to him? And there are three keys that if you want to hear the voice of God that just have to be in place. Number one, surrender. Surrender is simply a decision ahead of time that no matter what God says to me, I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to listen to him. In fact, it, it really is illustrated by three little words found throughout all of scripture and it's amazing how many times they come up. Moses said these words. Abraham said these words. Jacob said these words. Samuel said these words. Mary, when the angel said, you're going to be with child, said these words. Uh, Ezekiel, or uh, Elijah, said these words. Here they are. Here am I. Here I am, Lord. And it isn't a way of telling God where you're at. It's simply an indication that, Lord, wherever you want to speak to me, however you want to speak to me, I'm listening to you. Here am I is not trying to somehow give God an insight into where you're at. It is simply saying, Lord, I promise that whatever you tell me, I'm going to do it. Abraham said it multiple times in his life, whether it was to go to a new country or whether it was to take his son, his only son Isaac, and take him to Mount Moriah. His response when God showed up in his life was always first and foremost, here I am. 
And there is something so freeing about living with a pre a, pre, a predisposition where you've already said to God that God, whatever it is, whatever you want to do in my marriage, whatever you want to do in my ministry, whatever you want to do in my calling, wherever it is you want to take me, whatever it is you want to do in my family, whatever it is you want to do in my, this church, whatever you want to do in this worship service today, whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm just going to tell you right now, here I am. You say those three words with me this morning. Here I am. Just, here I am, Lord. Isaiah the prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am. Lord, whatever it is that you want to do, I want to do it. Surrender. The second position where we hear the Lord is to just be silent. And I would put with silence, solitude. It just means that I'm getting quiet enough that I can actually hear the Lord. It's to push against the thrashing. It's to push against the distractions. It's to push against all the things that are going on in my life. And to just be, now once you've learned how to do this, you don't have to necessarily be alone even. You can, you can hear his voice in the middle of an auditorium. You can hear him in a workplace. It's amazing as you, but to kind of learn this thing, you just got to be alone with him. And in fact, the passage of Scripture that I think of when I think of this is just simply learning what it is. Uh, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, they listen to me, and they follow me. A few years ago, um, it was actually right, right when we were doing the renovation uh, of the worship center in the church, and we had just uh, raised the funds, brought all of this to the congregation, and then we were kind of handed it off to Pastor Cal, and he was doing the work uh, thing. Well, we had planned for me to take a, we called it an unplugged time. And the leadership had encouraged it and just said, hey, we want you just to get out of here, take some time, just be refreshed. And uh, it was a period of one month. Some of you remember that I did that. It was an unpl uh, unplugged one-month time. I think I did it on the month of July. And uh, I had such dreams as to what the Lord was going to do during that one month. Uh, you know, it just sounds like all the time in the world. And I thought, man, I can't wait. I'm going to read like eight books, and I'm going to just spend time with the Lord, and the Lord's going to really speak to my heart, and it's just going to be an incredible time of refreshing and renewal, and I was really excited about it. But I'm one of those guys, I have a hard time just kind of quieting down when I know other things need to be done. And so I made a deal, and I said, "Here, I have two projects that I have to get done this summer. I need to do the seal coat on my driveway. That's basically a full day, day and a half, that I was going to work on that. And then, Lord, I, I've got some work to do on my back deck, and I had to tear out some old wood, put some new wood in, and I wanted to refinish it and do some things. And so it took about a week. It was about a week, but that was going to be the first week, and I did it. I got it all done so I could just now, now I could just spend time with the Lord. But the problem was is that we had learned when we were planning this whole thing, our daughter Brittany decided that she was going to take a position in Denver, so we needed to, we needed to uh, move her out to Denver, Colorado, and so uh, that, was, that happened to fall during the second week, so at least we had the time to do it, so we loaded up the truck and we moved to Be Beverly, it was that kind of a thing, and we took all of her stuff and we moved out to Denver, and since we were out in Denver anyway, we decided to spend a couple of days in Colorado, then come up into Cheyenne and Wyoming, and then go over to the Black Hills, and then we we're going to come home and stop by American Picker store uh, in Iowa, and then we were going to come home and it was going to take pretty much that next week but that's okay because I still had two weeks and then that third week I was just tired 
And so I just needed to kind of refresh a little bit and relax a little bit. By the way, there's something spiritual about refreshing, but you're kind of getting the point. I'm coming into the last week, and now in seven days, I'm trying to cram in what I thought I was going to have 28 days to do. And that happens. And it's a great lesson about putting the most important things in your life at the very front of your life. But here's the thing. You're saying, well, why, why should we hear this? Over the last year, and it's been a hard year, and as a world, it's been a, a, a challenging, hard, in many cases, devastating year. But I've heard two testimonies out of the last year. One is how hard it's been, how discouraged we are, and I get it, but I've heard from some, man, this last year, I have had so much time to be with the Lord. And my times with Him have been so rich. And I feel like His Word has become so relevant to me and we see the light at the end of the tunnel coming we're seeing a little bit of opening up and it struck me wouldn't it be sad if we've had a year that's been challenging but if the Lord wanted to maybe say some things to us and we we've not even taken any time to listen what is it that the Lord wants to say to our church about what's really important and what ministries are vital. What is it that God might want to say to our country or our culture? What is it that the Lord wants to say to the church universal? What is it that God might want to say to you? And he has been. This came out of nowhere. I'm not thinking of anybody specific. But I will tell you, it's really interesting. I've watched, I've watched families grow closer this last year than they ever dreamt possible. And I've watched those who have grown distant. What is God speaking? What does he want to speak? Number three, if I want to hear the voice of God, I've got to stay close to him. It's more than just walking in obedience, although that's important. It's, it's staying in a position where I can hear him. First Samuel chapter 3 Samuel is just a little boy. I kind of wonder if he was about the age of that other little boy we looked at. And his mom was so excited that God brought her into her life that she dedicated him to the service of the Lord. And he was in the temple and he was just basically, he was a little, he was a little helper in the temple of the Lord. He'd never heard the voice of God. 
He knew about God, but he'd never had an encounter with God. And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, um, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The ark really contained the promise of God. It was the, it was the tangible symbol of God's presence with the Israelites. And it says that, that he laid down in the temple where the ark of God was, and this is my emphasis, then, then the Lord called out to Samuel. If you remember the rest of the story, the Lord had to call out to him three times because he didn't know who was calling him. Now, maybe that's just where temple boys sleep. Maybe that's where they're supposed to sleep. But I like to think that Samuel had such a heart to hear God that he just wanted to be as close to where he thought his presence would be as possible. And it reminds me of the song uh, Don Moen did years ago, I Just Want to Be Where You Are. I love this song. I've been listening to it all week. I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. Take me to the place where you are because I want to be with you, dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory in your presence because that's where I always want to be. And here's the deal. The Lord calls to Samuel three times and finally Samuel responds and says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening and will obey. I wonder what God's been trying to say. When you listen with that heart, I promise you won't miss it. Would you pray with me, Father? I wonder what it is that you want to say this morning. It's not wrong, but we've been so attended at 6.13 in the morning and 6.13 at night to stubbornly cry out to you. But Lord, we want to slow down on this march toward Easter in this Lenten season, and we want to pause and say, what is it? I mean, you've heard what we want to say to you. What is it that you want to say to us? Lord, what do you want to say to me about my own character? What do you want to say to me about my own life? What do you want to say to me about my calling, my direction in life? Lord, what do you want to say to me about my marriage, about my relationships, about how I interact with others? What do you want to say to me about my finances? What do you want to say to me about my, my commitment, my ministry, my life, my call? I just want to be where you are, walking daily in your presence. 
I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. Lord, we give you permission this morning. Speak. We'll listen and we'll obey. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.